the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It is Wednesday the 18th. You're tuned into Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm, Spring, West Virginia, and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit our new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Normally, alongside me is Marsha Kavalik, but she has a very busy school day today. Her uh, uh, youngest daughter is... About to start college, so she's, uh, well, the whole family is taking care of all that today. And if you've gone through that situation, you know that that is definitely a time-consuming one. So she uh, rightfully so has the day off. But uh, I'm not flying completely solo today because I do have my first guest uh, joining in the studio. It's Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin. How are you doing this morning? Fine. Good morning. Absolutely. Thanks for stopping in. So uh, how have things been? I mean, we uh, have a few weeks now removed since the new mayor has been appointed. So uh, how are things with the new mayor? Does he seem like he's kind of figuring it all out? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, mayor Knowles has been on council for, for several years now, and he gets the flow of, of agendas and, and city activities and projects and initiatives and you know, moving into the new seat. Um, it's, it's, it's been seamless. Uh, you know, the, the catch up is now is the mayor you seem to become more involved with you know, meetings and, and directly with agendas and talking to me and staff to where you know, the council members kind of get that at the meetings. So right. um, pretty seamless. So because with the uh, mayor and council kind of set up, uh, going from a councilman to a mayor, it's kind of a lateral move, but there are you know some significant differences, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, he's a chief elected official. Um, you know, he's the uh, representative of, of the city of Martinsburg from the governing body. And, you know, he's, he's the, he presides over the council meetings, helps set agendas and, and initiatives and so forth. So he'll become more involved with uh, some of the things behind the scenes that you don't see until you need to see, so to right. speak. Uh, so yeah, like I said, it's been seamless. Now, one of the big things that was on the agenda uh, while, you know, the new mayor appointing was going on was all the zoning stuff. Now, everything did get approved, got passed. Uh, now, how is that, uh, I guess, process starting along now that things are, you know, approved and kind of ready to go? Uh, I have not heard any um, complaints, uh, you know, per se regarding the zoning ordinance. Uh, the zoning ordinance gets utilized typically when somebody wants to um, redevelop, develop, you know, properties or, or they're doing something within a neighborhood. You, you check planning, zoning, special exceptions, setbacks, and so forth. So it's really when that comes to the planning department, mm-hmm. you're now looking at a new document. Uh, I really don't perceive to be a lot of problems. Right. Uh, we've, we've met with a couple of developers and we've looked at the new zoning and it seems to be more business-friendly conducive to redevelopment projects. Because there was a, a fair amount of pushback on it. Now, do you think, uh, I guess, kind of looking back, that some of the pushback from the community might have been, uh, I guess, not misguided, but for lack of uh, uh, the term, misguided in their, uh, I guess, concerns directed towards the zoning? Yeah, I mean, I think the concerns were more to deal with um, with housing and rental housing and 
and, and, and lot size and so forth. And, and a lot of that was addressed in certain sectors and wards that council did step back after the first public hearing and, and made a significant corrections to to award um, and some of the other wards, just the, the the makeup of those wards, you couldn't do some of that. So I think overall, council did a lot of give and take. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think you know part of the community that was part of that process may have not have. I'm not saying they didn't understand it or right. didn't get it or realize it, but um, that did happen, and I think it happened for the betterment of of those that were trying to address those needs. Uh, so I guess uh, stepping away from all the zonings, I'm sure you've gotten enough of that in the past couple of weeks and months. But how are some of the bigger projects that have been in the works uh, in Martinsburg and you know surrounding city area? How are they coming along? I know some of the the weather's actually been perfect for construction work, and not now per yeah. se, but it has been. Absolutely, weather's been perfect for for construction work. Um, you know, to keep projects on schedule. You live very closely to to one of those, being the train station corridor. They actually paved yesterday. I saw it. I was walking um, the dog down there. It's, it's beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, I was there at six thirty in the morning, and I came back at noon. It looked totally different uh, once you paved the streets. They're very close to kind of wrapping that project up over the next two to four weeks, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so people will see those streets, you know, become open and some TLC cleanup work and punch list stuff. So we're very close on that. The the parking lot project next to it. Hopefully, you know, by the second week of October, that project will be completed and open to the public and we'll be out of that area. Um, the next project for public improvement project, um, North Queen Street underpass. Now, uh, what are some of the things that are going to be, I guess, worked on for the underpass? Because when I drive through it, uh, I mean, you don't necessarily, nothing kind of jumps out at you as, you know, an eyesore or, yeah. you know, anything like that. Yeah, we have a few things. Um, if you look at the, if you actually would walk through it, all those wing walls are becoming dilapidated. Concrete um, is falling out. So those wing walls need to be replaced. The steps within it, all the guardrail lighting, um, it's it's all need, needs to be brought up to code. Um, the actual wall itself has some repairs. And, and, and above the street, you have Liberty Street. We have some mm-hmm. water, sore, and stormwater improvements to help protect the underpass. Um, so there's still a great deal of work to be done there. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a different look um, paint-wise, um, you know, as a gateway, right? Uh, you'll you'll notice the improvement. Now, is uh, one of the things the improvements on the list? Is it uh, if you're going? Well, I guess either way, but it's more noticeable when you're going out of town on Queen Street. Is that kind of uh, I guess hairpin you can call it coming up out of the underpass? Uh, I remember the first couple of times driving through there, it took me <laughs> off guard, and then I quickly realized I was on the wrong side of traffic. So, uh, is that possibly one of the things that could be addressed? Is there even a way to address that? I guess we we have not addressed that. That's that's a state road, West Virginia yeah. DOT. Um, could it be straightened out? Possibly. I'm not sure. We haven't really gone that far yet with that with right. that road that request. So hopefully that'll be out to bid very soon. Um, we have design element for streetscape. Um, from the underpass up to Pennsylvania Avenue mm-hmm. to add lights, sidewalks, is, is to continue that gateway. We're still in preliminary design for the you know, renovation of the current city hall uh, yeah. for city hall operations. We have the project going out on the West End um, for you know curbing and, and uh, gutter pans, street repaving, stormwater elements, uh, and that's ongoing as well. And a lot of these uh, projects, um, now let me know if I'm kind of misstepping here, but a lot of these projects will be funded uh, through the rescue plan money that is, I think, finally kind of been allocated out and you can use that money. What is $9.1 million in rescue plan money? So is a lot of that going uh, towards these projects? And uh, what are some of the things uh, that you want to see some of that money go towards? The the current projects that are under construction, um, that is not part of the federal funds. Those were all part of city 
funds, reserve funds that we planned and saved and, and are utilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only project from the rescue plan funds um, that we'll use for projects that maybe was in a holding pattern was the North Queen Street underpass. We can now use that as part of those those dollars. Um, council did have a committee meeting a week or so ago. It'll be on this Thursday's agenda for approval of the committee's recommendations. Uh, met with city staff, department heads. So there's a a list of items that police and fire needed for vehicles, uh, new pumpers, um, and some design elements for new facilities, and then projects. Right. A, a litany of projects that we have not designed, gone out to bid with. Um, there's about $7.4 million that we've set aside of the 9.1. And that leaves about $1.6 million left for council to hold future public meetings for the public process. Right. And they'll schedule that in the near future. So I was looking through uh, Marshall before she left yesterday, dropped off the uh, big packet of the budget from uh, 2021. And I was kind of looking through some of the things that uh, were proposed or I guess ideas for some of this money. And a couple of ones that kind of jumped out at me were uh, the Tuscarora Trail. Now, can you kind of explain that a little bit as somebody that isn't quite familiar with the area yet? Uh, what is the possibility for, you know, uh, t- the Tuscarora Trail? Yeah, if you go to East Burke Street right now, um, Parks and Rec had a CDBG grant that goes from East Burke Street down to the Roundhouse area along the stream, the mm-hmm. Tuscarora uh, Creek. So w- the idea would be to continue that along the stream. Um, that stream runs throughout the city of Martinsburg, goes into War Memorial Park, um, it really throughout the city. So th- the idea with the plan would be let's let's look at where do we want to start this project. It'd probably be in the public owned areas first right because it does cross some private properties and and look at that plan and, and, and design the elements so we can start picking and choosing where we want to develop that that trail right um, of course frog hollow has been discussed you know from east burke street going south mm-hmm. um where the csx abandoned the rail they've they've kind of quick claim deeded to the city so we're ironing out those details uh, that could be part of that trail system as well it ties into the tuscora creek right we've applied for a couple grants we're not successful, so we're going to put money aside and just and just start it ourselves. Just get moving. And I uh, know from not personal experience, but I guess uh, outside looking in, I've uh, noticed that CSX can be a little tough to work with on that stuff from time to time. So that can kind of slow things down. Yeah, so far so good. Good. So we're getting there. Good. So uh, with this nine point one million, it seems like everybody kind of somewhat knows what's going to be happening with it yep. and where it's going to go. Absolutely. Um, the recommendations that council approved and, and putting in front of council Thursday that sense sets the template for those dollars for for the city use and then we'll do the public process for for other issues now with this uh infrastructure plan that's coming uh that's pretty much in i guess process now with the government uh na- national government is that going to affect any of this uh rescue plan money or you know how it's i guess divvied out it may not it won't affect this but if, if the infrastructure bill the highways bill right um larger projects particularly west virginia dot highways there may be some city projects that we may be able to tie into, but you know, for ourselves, we don't have any grandiose projects. Um, yeah, it's bridges, roads, water sore. Um, we're pretty good right now, uh, but yeah, that, those dollars are going to be available. Cool. Well, it seems yeah. like everything's kind of under control for the there, city there, right now, there, huh? There are a lot of funds out there right now for cities and counties and states. Uh, to do a lot of infrastructure improvements. Well, that's a good problem to have. Yes, it is. Always. Again, we're speaking with Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin. Um, so I guess other than uh, the big things we've already talked about, any other uh, big items on your list uh, that you want people to know about out there? No, I think some of the projects are wrapping up for the community to see and realize, and other projects will be starting. Uh, 
The budget amendments are on this Thursday's council agenda. I think that's important uh, to reallocate some of those dollars and put back use to the, for departmental needs and the community. Uh, we continue to you know do what we can on the economic development side, and hopefully we'll have some good news you know down the road as things you know transpire. Now uh, this is completely off topic, but we are. I think less than what well, easily less than a month from football season. So, are you a uh, football fan? Yes, absolutely. You got, who's your favorite team? Well, I'm going to follow the Mountaineers from the college level, right? Obviously. Of course. Uh, so, of course, locally we have the the Maryland game coming up. Yep. We got the Virginia Tech game coming up, and of course, on a local level, um, you know, Martinsburg High School football is big. That's um, right. So, I'm sure everybody's looking forward to getting back. Hopefully, as yeah. normal as we can again with everything happening with you know COVID and, and masking and and public events and so forth. So hopefully we can get through a normal football season Thank here locally. Goodness, the mask situation has everybody fired up. Yes. That is uh, for sure. But it, it is cool and nice to see that West Virginia is actually playing, you know, rival teams again, like Virginia Tech and Maryland, instead of going out all the time and playing all these uh, mid Midwest and Southern yeah. schools because it kind of uh, it doesn't make it feel – like a Mountaineer game, I guess, per now, se. It's good. It's good to be playing those local teams that there's some tradition, and both of those have had tradition in the past. And it's only good if you win those games. It makes your, you know, it makes your bowl opportunities and mm-hmm. everything else better for you and in recruiting. So we'll see what happens. So I remember going to the last uh, Maryland West Virginia game. I think it was in Baltimore, uh, and I was still in school going to uh, Potomac State. So I guess I was kind of technically a West Virginia student. Yep. But I showed up in nothing but Maryland gear with a West Virginia hat. That was the only <laughs> way uh, my friends didn't throw me off a That's bridge okay. or something you did, like you that. Didn't, you didn't lose either way. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, <laughs> speak with Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin. Thanks for coming in and. Uh, chatting with me a little no bit this problem. morning anytime absolutely stick around for more on panhandle live on wepm and wcst the panhandle news network it's panhandle live the voice of the panhandle here are your hosts jordan nice warner and marcia kavalik Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm, Spring, West Virginia, and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Uh, Marsha is absent today, dealing with some college stuff, which, as I was saying earlier uh, this morning, if you've had to deal with college admissions and enrollment stuff before, you know that that is an all-day experience, uh, even if you don't want it to be. So March is taking the day off today. But, of course, if you missed any of the show so far, you can listen back to it over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page. A little bit later on today, and to start the show, we had Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin on to talk about the uh, American Rescue Plan money, where that's going to be you know, allocated towards, and of course a lot of it is going to, uh, you know, uh, public safety and, you know, the uh, fire department, police department, sewer, things like that. But a couple of the projects he was talking about, I'm uh, pretty excited to see, you know, how they all get worked out. I know the uh, Martin Street corridor is looking really cool right now, especially if you've seen it over the last couple of months where it's just kind of been a gravel pit as they've been, uh, you know, working on the sewer and getting things, you know, fixed up a little bit on that part of the street. But now it looks amazing. So if you're down around downtown today, make sure uh, you at least drive on by the uh, Market Street corridor, Martin Street rather, Mar- uh, corridor uh, to check that out because it's looking pretty cool. And all the old bricks that they used, uh, that were the road, the street for, you know, however many hundreds of years. Well, they didn't just throw them away. They've repurposed them back into uh, the street in different ways, which I think is uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool from a, I guess, historical point of view, if you want to say. Now, another thing that I think is going to be pretty neat, and I hope this ends up working out. 
uh, with this rescue plan money and, you know, gets uh, the time to, you know, make it happen is the Tuscarora Trail that uh, City Manager Mark Baldwin was talking about that's going to connect uh, the War Memorial Park pretty much all the way down to Route 9, which would be uh, ideal, especially going right through town. You don't got to worry with traffic and different places like that. Uh, so that is hopefully all on the docket for the American Rescue Plan money and just uh, to have it done here for the city. So if you missed any of that conversation with Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin, you can listen back to it in uh, just a couple of hours over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page. And coming up, here in a few minutes, we'll be talking with Berkeley and Morgan County Health Department's Bill Kearns. I'm sure he's been a pretty busy guy the last couple of uh, days and weeks, especially with the mask mandate for Berkeley County schools being, uh, you know, put into place that uh, Dr. Proctor Murphy was talking about uh, in the most recent Board of Education meeting. So I'm sure we'll be getting into that with Bill Kearns from the Berkeley and Morgan County Health Departments, but that'll be coming up in just a few minutes here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Nice Warner. Marsha has the day off today. And if you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page. Getting things started, we had Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin talking about uh, the transition with the new mayor, how he's getting along, and uh, I guess really just the state of the city and how some of the Projects are going and how some of that uh, $9.1 million in American Rescue Plan money uh, is getting divvied out, which has definitely uh, been on the top of a lot of people's questionnaire lists for the city. But like I said, if you missed any of that, you can listen back to it over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page. And joining me on the phone uh, is a gentleman who's probably been pretty busy, a lot busier than he has the rest of the summer in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's Bill Kearns from the Berkeley Morgan County Health Department. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How are you doing this morning, Jordan? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Thanks for calling in. Uh, so I guess let's get right into uh, the COVID talk, if you will. How are things, uh, how's the status of the Panhandle right now, in your opinion? Well, um, the Panhandle, as well as a, a large portion of the state, unfortunately, is looking, if you look at a color map, is unfortunately looking a little bit too, mu- too much like autumn mm-hmm. already with all the, the large numbers of, of gold and and orange, and as Berkeley County is um, red, um, which is due to basically um, uh, this next wave of this pandemic that's hitting us right now. That's that's caused our uh, our infection rate and our positivity rate to be elevated beyond where we want it to be. Now, are we? I mean, starting to inch closer to towards you know uh, mid-pandemic numbers. Um, not as high as we were then, but with the Delta variant out there that everyone has heard about, um, it is it is way more easily transmissible. Um, so that's kind of the reason that's kind of on the upswing that we're seeing more cases of the Delta variant being out there. It's way easier to transmit, so as easy as a common cold would be to transmit to someone especially those that are unvaccinated. But we also see some of the breakthroughs for people that are fully vaccinated, um, that we're still seeing some breakthrough cases of that um, for people getting that. But hopefully um, people that are vaccinated still have a good effectiveness uh, against the COVID. So they may end up getting uh, a, uh, something not any more, worse than a, a bad cold or, mm-hmm. or allergy infection. But um, 
easily for them to transmit it to someone that's not vaccinated, which is our big concern. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, the West Virginia DHHR website this morning. Uh, now, these aren't up to the second numbers, and correct me if my numbers are wrong, but for Berkeley County right now, there's 585 active cases, and in Morgan County, I saw uh, as 48, which Morgan County seems to be, you know, kind of ticking a little faster than uh, the rest of us for population size. Is that uh, anywhere close to right? That's that's correct. Um, those numbers are generated at the state level. Those don't it comes from many different agencies of people that are doing the testing and, and so forth. Um, they don't necessarily come from the health department. We don't report mm-hmm. those numbers. The state actually reports those back to us. Uh, and then in, you were speaking about the effectiveness of the vaccines and how, uh, for the most part, they are, you know, the vaccines are doing their job and keeping people healthy. But it seems that a portion of the public should be, or at least are, we're starting to find out, should be getting a booster shot. So for people that, because that's a big buzzword right now is the booster shots, uh, can you kind of explain what that is to people that might not really understand? Well, yeah, absolutely. And there's kind of a difference between an additional dose or versus being defined as a booster dose. So mm-hmm. we're finding that um, an additional dose of the vaccine um, is is really good measure for those people um, that, whether they're elderly or not, if they fall into a certain category, such as if they are currently undergoing cancer treatments, um, that they have an active treatment schedule for that. Um, if they're a recipient of, a, of an organ transplant of some sort, if they are... Um, Certainly, if they are taking any kind of um, advanced um, high dose, uh, continual high dose of steroids, such as greater than 20 milligrams of prednisone, um, people that have maybe advanced or untreated HIV infections, um, or if they have a a severe immune-compromised disorder, those are the people that, that are looking at right now, they need an additional dose to get them up there. Um, and certainly as we, as we go on, and, and also people that may have, you know, the, we, we look at um, the, the, the vaccine could have waned off a little bit faster for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, there is going to be, most likely, we'll, we'll see that CDC is going to most likely recommend a little bit later on that that third boost dose um, is given to people that may not fall into that additional dose category classification. Um, we don't know when that's going to come out. I don't think it'll be too much longer because they're seeing that the, the protection may wane off o- over a period of time, similar to many vaccinations that we receive, such as um, tetanus or annual influenza. We're seeing it's going to kind of go a little bit less. Our protection rate has gotten less. Um, so when you first get those two doses of vaccine, um, you're up around that high 90 percentile. They're saying that eight months down the road, you may be down around the 50 to 60% protection level. So you may be at the point where we would want to give that booster dose to get it back up to the highest level of protection. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you're not protected at that 50 to 60% because if we look at it, at the best protection rate any year for influenza, when we look at the flu shot, our best hopes is that we can hit the 40 to 50 percentile for protection rate. So even with the COVID, when if you're down around 55 to 60 percent, you still got a good level of protection there. So that's a good confidence I want people to be have that they do have that level of protection. That all of a sudden, eight months down the road, those two shots have now totally dissipated, and you have no protection. That's not that's not true. 
We're speaking with Bill Kearns from the Berkeley Morgan County Health Department. So uh, I'll use myself as an example. I don't have any, uh, you know, immune deficiencies, or at least as far as I understand. And I have uh, both shots of the Pfizer vaccine. So uh, we'll just say that I don't have any immuno, you know, complications. Should I still be, you know, looking into this uh, third dose or booster dose? Um, And, you know, should I have any, you know, concerns about maybe if I don't have a chance to get it? Um. you, again, you still have a good level of protection. Certainly, when the, when the CDC puts their time frame out there that you need to look at. So, let's say they say, okay, you've had it at least both shots. The last shot you had was eight months ago. We'll use that as an example. Then they say they may recommend for you to go ahead and seek out getting that booster dose when they put those recommendations out mm-hmm. there. That hasn't been released yet, so we don't really know exactly what they're looking for. But I would say yes, absolutely. If you can, whatever you can do to get that boost back up to that 90-some percentile is going to make it way better for you. It's going to make it way better for anyone that you're in contact with, um, family members, people that may not have been vaccinated for whatever reason, whether it's a personal choice, and certainly it still is a personal mm-hmm. choice, that helps protect everyone involved. Now, another one of the big uh, topic items right now that I'm sure you've gotten uh, some questions about is uh, schools and masking. Now, the uh, mandate came out, uh, I believe it was a week or so ago now, um, about, you know, for school systems to adopt a masking plan when cases get above a uh, certain threshold. Um, I guess I can kind of assume what your answer is on this, but uh, what are your thoughts on that mandate and for schools, you know, uh, accepting it and putting it into place? Well, certainly we've had one or two questions. So <laughs> I can be, only imagine. You would, <laughs> you would be very accurate. Um, and this was uh, this was because uh, 100% due to because the uh, governor has been looking at everything across the state, and he is at the point where he did not want to w- make a mandatory mask policy quite yet. Um, that may come at some point, but right now, when we listen to him, he doesn't want to make that yet. But he, so he's put us at the at the local decision making level, which means each each community or each county can look at what is going on within their counties as we move forward. And more of the county or state is getting in a higher level. I think there's going to be a statewide policy at some point. But right now, as um, some of the counties are still at a green level where their infection rate is low, they've really not had to implement anything. So. In Berkeley County, in Morgan County, which is the two counties I represent, Mm -hmm. our levels have been way higher. So it was left with our health officer, Dr. McLaughlin, to to put basically a policy in. It's a rolling policy that basically says if your number is this high, at this level or above at the end of any given week, then that mask-wearing policy for children in the school system as well as teachers will be required for the next week. That can change week to week based on whether our infection rate is going to go higher or lower, similar to what they did with sports, although mm-hmm. I don't want to definitely do a comparison, <laughs> but similar to that. But our the goal in this policy that Dr. McLaughlin created is just for protection of those children. The last thing we want to do is have to close schools because the infection rate is so high. So if we can put a measure in place for those children that can wear those masks 
and um, try to keep that infection rate as low as possible we can get out of this. Um, everything we can pull out of the toolbox we're doing right now to try to keep kids in school, that's our primary goal. Yeah, and I think it's important to you know remind everyone that um, this isn't a mask mandate where masks will be worn you know every single day, uh, week by week by week. And like as you said, it's a rolling uh, situation, so uh, it's not you know immediately every week you're going to be wearing you know your students or teachers will be wearing you know masks all day long. Right, and well, and, and certainly when they're outside and they're doing outdoor activities and stuff. You're outside. It, the transmission rate is so low at that point, being mm-hmm. out, outdoors, um, that it wouldn't be necessary for visit type sports and or recreation of outdoors that sort outside. Um, but while you're inside in the classrooms, um, when you're in a close proximity to each other, yes, it's going to right now the, with the the policy in place as Dr. McLaughlin has has presented um it's it's what we have to work with now we are getting some i know lots of people have, i've talked to some legislators and they said well we put this senate bill out there that says these these rules um have to be um have to be ratified by our county councils or county commission and and, and we're so lucky that we have a great relationship with our county um that we are having talks with them to see is this a rule or is it a policy so it's we look at it right now as it's a temporary policy. It's a rule would be something that's going to be a permanent. Um, we don't want this to be permanent. We're we're wanting to get out of this pandemic. So again, we're pulling everything out of the toolbox that we can to keep people safe. Speaking with Bill Kearns from the Berkeley Morgan County Health Department. So this is more of a personal question, I guess. But do you think masks are enough to get everyone back? It's we'll, we'll stay speaking with just strictly schools. Uh, do you think masks are enough to get everybody back into a normal sense of school year? Well, we've had a little bit of a reprieve over the summertime where people have gotten really laxed on wearing face coverings. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do provide you a level of protection. If, depending on the type of mask, you know, everyone's not going to be walking around wearing N95 masks. <laughs> right. Um, so a mask will give you more of a level of protection than not wearing one. Um, we are not at the point where we have limited social gatherings by the governors. He would have to require that. By the mm-hmm. way, it's not a county decision. He has not got to that point where we have been, that we've had to look at that. It may come at some point. We don't know. It depends on how our state continues to increase in our numbers. Um, but to answer your question, personally, I feel the the masks are a good level of protection. And it's the first one that we can use right. in addition to other measures such as frequent hand washing and, and any kind of social distancing that you can do. And uh, certainly not even secondary, but secondary to the main important one is getting that vaccination and getting both vaccinations if you're going with the Pfizer or Moderna or if you're going with Johnson Johnson, getting that first one. But getting that vaccination is, is the best measure you can do right now and then adding the face coverings while our infection rate's that high. And I know uh, Governor Justice has a speech regarding, you know, the state of COVID in the state. And I believe that's at 11 this morning. So I'm sure everyone will be waiting uh, with bated breath to see what old Governor Justice has to say about things. Yeah, and uh, we're, we've kind of reinstituted locally our um, our planning partnership that we that the health department works alongside with many other partnering agencies, such as the hospital and, and FQA, the, the health care centers, um, the the uh, uh, ambulance authority, all those people, we've, we've restarted this group up to discuss what the status are of each of our departments, because we may at some point have to do more community-based clinics, which of course takes a takes a whole village to pull off. Right. 
Um, so we're doing those discussions, and then hearing from the hospital situation, they've got they've got a large number of people that are currently hospitalized um, for COVID. They have a a more larger number than they want of people that are actually on ventilators because of COVID. Hmm. I've had some great friends of mine, uh, um, sadly, have succumbed to their COVID illness and passed away from it. Hmm. Um, and and the people that I personally know were not vaccinated. Right. Again, speaking with uh, Bill Kearns from the Berkeley Morgan County Health Department. Unfortunately, we have to go uh, to our next break. And as I'm sure you've already found out, we could talk about this topic for hours. But again, I appreciate you calling in and speaking with me a little bit this morning. Sure thing. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks again. And stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST. Part of the Panhandle story for 75 years. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firms from West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. You can visit their new historic location at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Marsha's got the day off today, but we do have our next guest online. He's a busy guy, so I'll make sure to keep it somewhat short with him. But it's Bill Dagger from uh, AccuWeather. How are you doing this morning? Thanks for calling in. Hey, I'm pretty good. How are you? Absolutely. I'm doing all right. Trying to stay dry today, and that's why uh, I'm glad you called, because we certainly have a lot of rain in the forecast, don't we? We certainly do, yeah. We've been dealing with the rain off and on much of the morning hours, and we have more to go here over the next several hours, uh, probably seeing at least an inch of rain locally, close to two inches of rain. And not only the rain that we're concerned about, there's a flash flood watch out, but also the threat of a quick isolated tornado or two because we're dealing with the remnants of tropical storm Fred. So there's a lot of spinning of the wind in the atmosphere today. So something we'll have to also keep in mind here as we head into the afternoon. Well, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't expecting you to say anything about tornadoes today. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, it's something we're keeping an eye on right now. There are friends at the Storm Prediction Center who track uh, these uh, thunderstorms that develop have indicated to us that they are looking at the threat of a brief tornado or two in any of these showers and storms that move through. So while I expect the biggest concern today to be heavy rain Mm -hmm. and some localized flooding, just have to keep that in the back of our mind uh, to keep a weather aware as we head into the afternoon because there is a little bit of spinning in the atmosphere today. Now, this is more of a uh, personal question, but we haven't really had rain in, uh, it seems like, months now. And now we're going to get a ton of rain. Now, that's a good thing for, you know, the environment, for plants and everything. But it's a bad thing for us because that does, uh, you know, kind of accelerate the flash floods, right? And how are, uh, what are some things to look for if you're in an area where you might, you know, be um, affected by a flash flood? Yeah, flash flooding can happen fast, uh, hence the name uh, flash flooding. And you're right, we are running up a little bit of a deficit this summer. We may make up for it in a quick way here today because of the one to two inches or more of rain that's expected. So uh, basically, if you're in a low-lying area, if you're uh, close to a creek or a stream, or if you live in an area of poor drainage, uh, definitely want to keep an eye outside when it rains uh, hard for a while because you may have to take some action and uh, most flash flooding deaths and incidents happen in cars. So hmm. if you come up on an area where there's water flowing over the road or a big puddle, may not want to cross it just to be safe because uh, it could pick you up and take your car away. 
Well, it looks like uh, that once this storm goes through, we're back to those uh, high temperatures. I'm looking with a high of 90 tomorrow. So I guess uh, we should kind of appreciate this cooler weather while we have it, even if it's going to rain the whole time. Yeah, lots of clouds keeping our temperature down today. But you're right, it's right back into the upper 80s to near 90 tomorrow and probably well into the 80s each day after that. So kind of a reminder that, uh, hey, we're still we're still in summer. We're still in August. Even though they have uh, pumpkin spice lattes for sale at uh, Dunkin' Donuts today, which I saw. That's right, yeah. Those PSLs are already out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, uh, Bill from AccuWeather, thanks for calling in and chatting with us a little bit this morning. Not a problem. Have a good day. You too. Goodness, wasn't expecting him to say anything about tornadoes for today in the forecast, but uh, I guess it does make sense with the hurricane kind of a remnants of the hurricane coming through. I'm looking out the window now. It looks like uh, the wind definitely has picked up, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see when it comes to uh, the tornadoes, but the rain is definitely coming, so make sure you're keeping an eye on our uh, WPM WCST Facebook page, so uh, if anything, you know, road closures or accidents or anything along those lines pops up, uh, we will have it over again on our uh, WPM and WCST Facebook page, but if you've missed any of the show today, it's been a jam-packed one, because I didn't have Marcia here to chit-chat with for a majority of the time, so we had to kind of fill it up with people that I could Uh, chit-chat with, if you will. But if you missed it, at the start of the show, we had Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin on uh, to talk about Really, I guess the state of the city of Martinsburg as it stands right now with uh, the new mayor transitioning in and getting his uh, you know feet under him a little bit. And then this American Rescue Plan money finally being able to be, I guess, distributed and seeing what the city wants to do with that. A lot of projects, the Martin Street project, the underpass, uh, the Queen Street underpass, which I think will be pretty neat uh, once that's all said and done. Because as I said, uh, when I was speaking with Mark Baldwin, city manager Mark Baldwin, when you drive through it, uh, there's really no noticeable eyesores. Uh, of course, I'm sure once you look a little closer, you'll be able to find some or they wouldn't be working on it. Uh, but when it's all said and done with that, I'm sure that will look uh, very nice. Some trails that might get started. You know, of course, all the standard infrastructure stuff and uh, the governmental things that all need paid for. Uh, but that's very interesting. You can listen back to that. And also, we had Bill Kearns on from the Berkeley and Morgan County Health Departments to talk about really just COVID-19 in the panhandle. It seems like things are uh, starting to, I guess, escalate slowly, but definitely surely, uh, since if you do look at the DHHR uh, maps, West Virginia DHHR maps, you see that uh, Berkeley and Morgan County and Jefferson County, for that matter, are starting to change colors on that map, which, as we all know from last year, is not the uh, best thing to be seeing. But also, we talked about the mask mandate for schools and how, you know, it... It is a little frustrating, and I think the frustrating part uh, for parents, now I'm not a parent in this situation, so uh, I am just speaking from, uh, I guess, my personal thoughts here, but I feel like a lot of the reason why parents are uh, you know, upset about this mask mandate is just the uncertainty of it. Things switch on a dime all the time when it comes uh, you know, to COVID and whatnot. Uh, the masks have been pretty much the standard throughout that if you wear a mask, you're protecting yourself and protecting others. Um, but I just don't think there is a right answer, as I think I said to Marsha yesterday on the show. Uh, I don't think there is a uh, right answer to please everybody with this. But whatever, in my opinion, whatever answer gets us out out of this and we don't have to ever talk about it again, uh, I think is the right answer. And if masks in school or in general are the, 
you know, cure to that, then, hey, I'm all for it. And, of course, uh, Governor Justice has a uh, press conference about COVID in the state uh, starting at 11 this morning in about an hour. So make sure you are tuning in to that because, hey, as we all know from the last year, we never know what Governor Justice is going to say when he's uh, doing a COVID um, discussion conference, if you will. And it is always funny if he's trying to put his mask on because you really never know how that's going to go. He might have it over his eyes, over his nose. Uh, anyways, but for uh, the absent Marsha Kavalik, I'm Jordan Icewarner. This has been Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you, and we will talk to you tomorrow because she should be back, I think. I hope. CST Berkeley Springs. This is the Panhandle News Network, a West Virginia Radio Corporation station.